in the new year, it has been a practice of mine for years. Really, uh, this is a practice that was uh, put in me when I was a young man. I want to say I was in, in junior high school, about 13, 14 years old, when I had a youth pastor uh, that was just crazy. <laughs> he, was, he was just crazy in love with God, and uh, he became a mentor and spiritual father in my life, and he still is to this day. But one of the practices that he taught me was the practice of prayer and fasting. And I remember that we would have emphasis on prayer and fasting there where I was a middle schooler and I was fasting from food, a water-only fast, uh, one day every single week. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and it's not like people looked at me and thought I was crazy because, you know, when you fast, like, when you, fast you, you, know, you don't tell anybody you know, you're fasting. But, but this is a practice that you put in my life. And then in the new year, we would have a focused time of prayer and fasting. And then, uh, then he, he, he tried this thing where he uh, wanted the entire youth group to get together and pray before school throughout the week for a period of time. And so we met at the church at 5.30 in the morning for prayer. And uh, in the first few weeks, you know, we were having 12 to 20 teenagers show up at 5.30 in the morning to pray at the church. Well, then as the weeks went on, it began to become just me and him because he was my ride. <laughs> and I had that accountability that I better wake up because... Uh, he's going to be out in the driveway waiting for me, and if I'm still asleep. And uh, I will say that there were a couple mornings where I would, I would be uh, looking out the front window waiting for my youth pastor to pick me up to take me to morning prayer at 5.30, which means he had to pick me up, I think, at 5 or 5.15, and, uh, and, and he never came <laughs> because he overslept. And then there'd be a, there was a couple mornings, too, where he came into my driveway, and I never came out because I overslept. But I, I'll never forget, though, the moments that when I chose to lay everything else aside, being purposeful and sacrificial of my time and sacrificial of my desires for the purpose of connecting with God, I have never once done it and not grown and not felt closer to God and he not increased my capacity in spiritual maturity. And I remember in those, those early, early mornings, we'd have music playing in the worship center and just be me and him. And, uh, and I remember that he also taught me, and when you're in early morning prayer, to walk. Walk and pray. Because there's a couple times that sometimes when I pray, I like to lay down on my face. Lay, lay, just lay prostrate on the floor. And, and there's a couple times I would be laying pretty still. <laughs> and then all of a sudden I'd be like, oh, and I realized I had fallen asleep. So he taught me, uh, you know, not just the, the you know, some practical things. Walk when you pray in the early morning. And, and, uh, and so that is something that's been instilled in me for, for many years. There have been times in my life when God has just led me to fast. And it was a couple months ago that I, I fast for a few days because something was on my heart and I was praying about. But every year I like to start off personally as a time to just really reset um, mind, body, and soul, uh, spirit, body, soul in this way through prayer and fasting. I want to talk a little bit more about this in depth today, uh, about these things. But let's real quick, let's look at this scripture, Matthew chapter 17. I'm going to go through some of this 
pretty quickly, when I talk about fasting, these are usually the scriptures and things that I, I go to. Then, then I'm going to show you some, some, some other things about prayer fasting uh, from the ancient world, but then how Jesus actually said the same thing uh, uh, as well. Matthew chapter 17, this is what it says. It says, when they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and, and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire, into water. And I brought him to your, your disciples. I brought him to your youth group. But, but they couldn't heal him. And so Jesus, he looks at his disciples he sa- and he says, you unbelieving and perverse generation. How long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? <laughs> you can kind of hear his tone in these words. Then he says, bring the boy to me. Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of the boy and, and he was healed at that moment. Jesus, he looked at his disciples. He said two things. He said, you are unbelieving and perverse. And so it's like unbelieving, by unbelieving, Jesus is saying that by being unbelieving, he says, you're not connected to God enough. You unbelieving generation, you are, not, you are disconnected. And, uh, and, and then he says, and you perverse generation. So be, by being unbelieving, you're not connected to God. By, by being perverse, it's about being too connected to the world. And I, I know that throughout the year, you know, people start off strong. <laughs> I, I, I've been guilty of this many times in my life. I start off strong in my, in my, uh, in my, my, my eating and the exercise, and then something happens in the summertime when I go on vacation, and I get off of it, and then I'm off of it until Christmas. You know, and, and so, but not just, not just physically, but spiritually, the, people pick up things throughout the year. Because maybe times are really good, and t- uh, some, many times when times are good, people begin to disconnect from God because they're like, don't need it, I'm doing all right. And then sometimes it's tragedy that then finally brings people closer to God. Or, or sometimes it's the opposite. Sometimes tragedy says, and moves people away from the habits of their spiritual walk with the Lord. But throughout the year, it's like the dust just begins to gather on the figurines of the shelf in their life. I remember as a kid, every Saturday we had chores. We had Saturday chores. And one of the chores on Saturday was I had to dust the living room. And I always thought it was the dumbest thing because I just did it a week ago. But yet every Saturday I'd get that lemon shine spray and, my, and I, would, I would always try to shortcut it by wiping around everything on the mantle and my mom's mantle over the fireplace, you know. She had this nice, nice oak wood mantle and, and I would try to rub around it and just say, I'm done. And she said, but did you take everything off of the mantle and wipe them down individually? And I'm like, no. And I'd go back, I'd take all the figurines and all her little decorations off the mantle. And sure enough, there was, I could see the dust from where everything was set. You know, we go through our whole year and we just, we just kind of like accumulate dust. We accumulate dirt. And prayer and fasting gives us a time to reconnect to God and disconnect from the world. Jesus says, you unbelieving and perverse generation, you're, you're not connected to God enough, and you're too connected to the world. And then watch what he says in the next verse. Then the, the disciples came to Jesus in private, and they asked, well, why couldn't we drive it out? And Jesus replied, because you have so little faith, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say this mountain be moved from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. But this kind 
does not go out except by prayer and fasting. So he says, you, you unbelieving and perverse generation, you're not connected enough to God, you're too connected to the world. Come on, how, how that happens. Without intentionality, the drift begins to happen. But then he says, this t- kind only comes out by, by prayer and fasting. Because here's what happens. Prayer connects us to God, and fasting disconnects us from the world. And that's why I love to start off my new year with a focused time of prayer and fasting. To, to clean the dust off the mantle and every figurine of my heart by reconnecting with God through prayer, disconnecting from the world through fasting. And uh, um, in, in, in a moment, we'll talk about different kinds of fasts you can do. I'll share with you some things that I do every year to help me connect with God and disconnect from the world. But I want to talk a little bit more today about what I'm just calling, uh, this is not a theological term but necessarily, but what I'm just calling the spiritual transformation trio. <laughs> that there are three things that have been taught for thousands of years that they, ha- they were f- f- uh, f- uh, fundamental in, the, in the, both the Jewish uh, religion and in Christianity. That it, they've been taught by rabbis hundreds of years before Jesus, and they were taught by Rabbi Jesus in, on the Sermon of the Mount. And so I'm going to show you in the old and the new this transformational power of these three things that, that I'm just calling the spiritual transformation trio. And I think to start off our new year and to, to kind of get the, the reset on life, um, to, uh, to try these three things for a spiritual transformation with these three things. And these three things are this. It is generosity, prayer, and fasting. Generosity, prayer, and fasting. There are some ancient books written by godly men that are not included in the canon of our scripture. Some of these books are actually included in the Bible of Catholics. They're uh, the uh, apocryphal books. One, one book is the book of Tobit. Uh, this book is not included in our Bible. It, 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 all that means, it doesn't mean it's an evil book. All it means is it just, it, it doesn't have the markings of being inspired by the Holy Spirit. Um, but these things are still written by godly men, but we don't use them as scripture. But they are encouraging. And in this particular book, it was written about, a little bit more than 700 years before Christ. But in Tobit 12, 8, this is what it says. It says, prayer is good when accompanied by fasting, almsgiving, and righteousness. Almsgiving would be giving of money, giving to charity, uh, uh, giving of your finances. And obviously, prayer and fasting, you, you know what those are. But also uh, in the Jewish Talmud, which was really edified during the Byzantine period, and, and these things were recorded, there was, a, there was an oral Torah that was passed from generation to generation by memory. Finally, it put some of these, some of these things to writing. And the, the Jewish Talmud is essentially the Jewish commentary of, uh, of the Torah. The Torah is the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, and Numbers. And that's not in the right order, I don't think. Don Buzz saying, no, that's not in the right order, but it is so five. That is the five. Um, and so this is the Jewish commentary of, of, of 
of just ancient teaching that is recorded. So in other words, commentary obviously is like additional thoughts and teachings from the scripture. The Jewish Talmud, uh, if you were to get it, it's about this thick. (laughs) It's thousands and thousands of pages. But in the Talmud, uh, Rabbi uh, Lezar, he makes this statement. He says, three actions cancel out a harsh decree. These are prayer, righteousness, which is almsgiving, charity, generosity, and repentance through fasting. This has been, and again, these are concepts that, that, that uh, teachers and, and followers of, of God, followers of Yeshua, have believed for thousands of years that I'm calling the spiritual transformation trio. Generosity, prayer, and fasting. And so, um, how did this trio come to be believed? Well, from the scriptures. Rabbi Lezar, he came to this belief when he was studying 2 Chronicles 7.14. You know it well. This is what it says. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and heal their land. And so, so right here we see, number one, we see prayer. When it, when it says, uh, go ahead and go to that next slide. In prayer, where it says, will humble themselves and pray. So there we see prayer in, the, in this trifecto of trans, spiritual transformation. And the second we see generosity, where it says, and seek my face. So how did he get this almsgiving, this giving of charity, this this generosity with money? How does he get this from and seek my face? Well, he got it from Psalm 17, 15, which says, As for me, I shall behold your face in righteousness. This word righteousness, uh, a lot of the Old Testament is written in Hebrew. And when Jesus spoke at the Sermon on the Mountain, he would have spoken in Hebrew, and it's recorded, a lot of it is recorded in Greek, Aramaic, or Hebrew. And uh, the Septuagint was, was written many years later where it, it, tr- it translated all the Hebrew into Greek, but in the original language, this word righteousness is the word sadaka. The word for generosity in Hebrew is sadak. You can hear the similarity, can't you? Generosity is sadak. Righteousness is tzedakah. Most of the time when we see the word righteousness in scripture, it's speaking of generosity. Tzedakah. And so this is where he gets this idea. Rabbi and, and, uh, and many teachers for years and years see in 2 Chronicles seven fourteen prayer, generosity, and lastly, fasting. Because when it says, number three, fasting, it says, turn from their wicked ways. Fasting is always about repentance. Because when you fast, we'll we'll talk more about fasting in particular if you're unfamiliar. But fasting is the time of taking personal inventory and ultimately leading to repentance and a full reset in that way. So in 2 Chronicles 7.14, we see prayer, generosity, fasting, but then we see a promise. And it says this, Then I will forgive their sin and heal their land. 
So here we see these three things that I'm calling the spiritual transformation trio. Generosity, prayer, and fasting. And, and when done together, like it says in, 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 in Tobit, prayer is good when accompanied by fasting, almsgiving, and righteousness. Then there comes with the promise, then I will forgive their sin and heal their land. In other words, when you do these things, these three things, transformation will take place. When you do these three things, you will have a, a sense of transformation spiritually in, in your soul, body, and spirit, and uh, you will, it makes a difference. Now, those are some very ancient things that we just talked about, things both scripturally and things said about the scripture. But like I said, Jesus also upholds these things. When Jesus has his sermon at the Sermon of the Mount in Matthew, uh, in Matthew chapter you know, 6 and 7 uh, in, in that area, uh, Jesus essentially, he has uh, been, uh, he has the, this authority now as a rabbi and, and with Samika, he's got, this, he's got this new way of teaching and he's really, he's kind of giving his first sermon ever and there's so many people in attendance that he actually has to climb a hill just to be, to, to, to separate himself from the crowd and to be heard. And he gives us what is one of the longest discourses we have of Jesus' teaching. And, uh, and, and some think that some parts of the sermon may have been given at different times, but we know for certain that in Matthew chapter 6, this was one solid message. This is one teaching of, God, of Jesus in this way. So let's look at it. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 1, Jesus says, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets. So let, let, let's talk about this here just for a brief moment. We've already talked about this word righteousness. And now uh, we, we, have, we do have um, scripts of the New Testament that were found in the Dead Sea Scrolls that were written in Hebrew. And also when Jesus is standing at the Sermon on the Mount, he is talking to Jewish people primarily, and he would have been delivering this message likely in the Hebrew. And so when we see this word righteousness, it says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. Well, that sounds weird if you think about don't act right in front of people. Well, if we keep reading, he says, but when you give, now what are we talking about? Now we're talking about money. And so again, this righteousness the context of this is this Hebrew word, tzedakah, which means generosity. And then, and then Jesus says, and when you give, so that, what, what does that tell us? Not if you give, but when you give. There's an expectation for followers of our Lord that we are generous people. And when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets. Now, what did you just picture in your mind? <laughs> You probably, like me, just pictured somebody announcing with the trumpet, look at my good deeds, right? But sounding the trumpet was an actual term that they used in that day because kind of like how we have giving boxes in the back of our worship center um, that you can drop your envelope in, at the temple, they had a giving box as well. But this giving box was designed with a this brass kind of upside-down trumpet-looking thing. In other words, there was a funnel. 
You know when you go to the mall and there's the big funnel you can put change in? I remember like we would take our kids to the store. They had that big funnel and you, you drop the quarter in, you drop the coin in, and it spins around that, ups, that funnel and it goes down inside. Uh, but but how, how many of you either as a kid or, or, or your kids or you as an adult tried to see if you get your hand down that hole? Yeah. I remember as a kid, uh, we went to this ice cream uh, parlor, and they had one of those coins where you could drop the coin and spin down. And every time my brother and I, we, we were trying to see if our hand could get down in that hole because we know there's money down there. Well, this is the same concept of this giving box at the temple in the early first century. It was a, it was a funnel that you would drop your, 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 your giving, your alms to the poor, that you would, you would, when you were generous, you'd drop it in. It would go through this funnel, down a hole, and down inside a locked box. So that, guess what? Nobody could get their hand down inside and take the offering. And, uh, and so what would happen is pe- prideful people that maybe had a good amount of giving to give, they would kind of toss it into this brass funnel. And when you would do that, it would clang this brass funnel, and they would call it sounding the trumpet, because this funnel made of brass looked like a horn, looked like a trumpet. And so Jesus says, and when you give to the needy, don't announce it with trumpets. And some versions say, don't sound the trumpet. He's saying, don't make a spectacle of it. Don't be prideful about it. Don't try to be, be made known by, oh, look how much I gave, or look what I'm doing. He's saying, no, don't sound the trumpet. Don't bring attention to it. But what? He says, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their award in full. So if you want to get man's attention for your good deeds, guess what? You have your reward. That's your reward. And he goes on. He says, but, here it is again, when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that, you, that your giving may be done in secret. Then your father who sees what's done in secret, your father will reward you. I can tell you, I'd rather be awarded by my father than any man. And so in this message, Jesus is talking about giving. He says simply this, number one, when you give. When you give. Again, this, this, these acts of righteousness is this Hebrew word, sadak. Sadaka being righteousness, sadak being generosity. In scripture, the word believe is used 272 times. Believe. Pray is used 371 times. Pray. Love is used 714 times times love but this concept of sadaka this concept of generosity in giving is used 2161 times in scripture seven times that not seven times three times that of the word love really you could combine believe pray love together and it still would not have been mentioned as much as acts of righteousness acts of generosity and giving. So what we know is that righteousness, it's always rooted in generosity. Righteousness is rooted in generosity. So Jesus says, one, when you give. The second thing Jesus says is when you pray. And let's look at it in Matthew chapter six, verse five. He says, and when you pray, not if you pray, will you pray? 
No, he says when you pray. So there's an expectation of when you give, an expectation of when you pray. Do not be like the hypocrites, for they like to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. But I tell you that they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And here it is again. When you pray... Do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they, will, they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need even before you ask him. So Jesus has this expectation that has, it supersedes even the early first century. It's thousands of years old. It's when you give, and it's when you pray. Prayer is our most basic form of communion with God. Anytime you talk to God, that is prayer. It is the most basic form of communion with God. Early Jewish and Christian prayer was never focused on request. Because notice what Jesus says. He says, when you pray, he essentially says, it's not really about your words, because the pagans, they, they think they'll be heard because of their many words. And also, I already know what you need before you ask me. So it's kind of like he's saying, stop asking me. <laughs> I already know. So for me, when he says it's not about your words, it's not about your request, I'm kind of like, I'm out of what to say or what to do. But the early Jewish and Christian belief on prayer, the practice of prayer, was not focused on requests. It was really focused on life transformation. It was the, by, by having communion with God, it does something to me. It changes me. And sometimes that's just purposeful time to just speak Yes, listen, oh yes. But just having communion with God, having that connection built back with God, it is transformational. And prayer also, it was never to be a retreat from the world. But prayer helps us see the world now through a different perspective. That by prayer, we now gain a perspective of the world through the lens of God's compassion for the world. So if you take 21 days of prayer and fasting and you are still angry with the world, you didn't do it right. You probably used a lot of words, used a little bit of listening, and you didn't truly have communion with God. You probably thought it was about your requests. For 21 days, I'm going to ask God for a promotion in my job. For 21 days, I'm going to ask, and here's my list of asks. And you can certainly do that, but that is not the primary reason for prayer. It's about connecting, having communion with God that transforms your life and transforms your perspective of the world. After 21 days of prayer and fasting, you should be more compassionate with the world, not less. You should see the hurting of the world more and not be annoyed by it. That's what it does to us. Instead of seeing the world through the lens of self-interest, prayer enables us to see the world through God's compassion. Moreover, I would say prayer then shifts us from self-consciousness to self-surrender. That's the difference between being 100% a request-driven prayer 
Well, uh, okay, time to pray. Where's my list of requests? <laughs> Where's my list of things I'm going to ask for? And turning your prayer not into what you ask for, but turning prayer into that you are aligning to God. That's ultimately what prayer does, is it aligns us to the will of God. It aligns us to the heart of God. Every time when I, as I prepare to give any message, whether here or anywhere else, uh, my prayer is, is, just, is trying to just listen and, and to the Spirit's leading that my, my heart would be aligned to the heart of God. And if I can just align myself to the heart of God, hear the heart of God, and then I just say what I hear. That's what prayer does. Shifts us from self-consciousness or self-interest to self-surrender. Well, Jesus, he continues, and he says, in, in verse 16, he says, And when you fast, do not look so somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others their fasting. Like, look at me, I'm so spiritual. I'm fasting. Hey, would you like, would you like to go to lunch? I can't. Fasting. Tell the world. Put it on Facebook. And my spiritual father, he taught me, when you fast, he says, it's okay to tell people you're fasting. So it's not like it's a sin to tell people. He says, but just don't be prideful about it. It's, it's, it's a humbling thing. What you say is, he says, hey, thank you so much for, for offering me that candy bar. But right now I'm actually abstaining from that. And if they ask further, they say, actually, I'm abstaining uh, all day today from, from all food, I'm, fast. I'm actually fasting. It's just something between me and the Lord. And then he also taught me another thing. And when you fast for more than a few days of all food, and he said, uh, brush your teeth. <laughs> he said, because you're going to get this thing. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'll brush my teeth. He says, don't let people, you know, it's, uh, that's just a little tidbit of information for you. He says, but when you fast, put oil on your head, wash your face, brush your teeth, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your father who is unseen. And your father, who sees what is done in secret, oh, here's a rhythm, will reward you. So three things Jesus says. He, it's almost as though it's expected. It's, it's as though it was already being done, and it was then. But he says, when you give, when you pray, when you fast, and for thousands of years, it has been believed that prayer is good when accompanied by fasting and almsgiving, generosity. So let's talk about fasting for just for a, for a second. Um, one is that fasting always involves abstinence. So fasting is, is that you are going to be abstinent from something. This might be food. It might be an activity it might be desires, it, uh, whatever it may be, but it is abstinence from that thing because it is a time um, that may be difficult. But that is the point, that personal anguish from abstaining from satisfying desires, it helps heighten spiritual awareness. And so um, now people fast in all kinds of different ways. Um, a traditional fast would be to fast from all food or maybe water only. 
And uh, if you're sitting there, this, and you're, you're, you're kind of like, you're getting hot, and you're like, man, what's the pastor talking about here? Like, I'm not asking that you, uh, unless the Lord leads you, that you fast all food for 21 days. That's not what I'm asking. But there are creative things that I am asking you to pray about to consider what you can fast from. Some people, for the next 21 days, will fast from eating meat. And they will not eat any meat for the next 21 days as a part of their fast. And, uh, it, and so you do get to sustain your strength in some way. But, but there is a, that sacrifice of changing your life a little bit that makes you kind of suffer a little bit. Sometimes suffering is good. Some people may fast a, a particular meal a day. I'm not going to fast my lunch, but on my lunch break, I'm going to commit to, to doing my devotions, spending time with the Lord. Some people may choose to fast like Nebuchadnezzar did. He fasted all night long. Do you remember this in, in the scripture? Nebuchadnezzar, he goes down to the, the lion's den. He says, oh, Daniel, are you alive? I fasted all night long. And then I realized, that wasn't hard. I fast all night long every day. Then I eat breakfast. Anyway, that was a joke. <laughs> so people fast in all kinds of different ways. Some people for the next 21 days, they're going to delete all the social media off their phones. They're going to be shut off from media. They're going to turn it off. They're going to, and basically, they're, going to, they're, they're asking themselves, what are my distractions? And they're going to shut it off for 21 days. And whatever you choose to turn off, whatever you choose to sacrifice, we want to replace it because the whole point is not just to say, I went without. 21 days, I went without. Well, that's great. But for 21 days, it's going without, but also pressing into the Lord. So, so having purposeful times of being with God, communing with him through prayer, fasting. And I also want to encourage you to try the trio of prayer, fasting, and generosity. Prayer, fasting, and generosity. So, um, uh, so, so uh, what, what, I'm trying to think of some other examples I could give you of, of fasting. I know for me, uh, I, I do a specific diet that's restrictive, um, and then I do, I do intermittent, fast, intermittent fasting with it, so I'm not going to eat after 6 o'clock, I'm not going to eat until noon the next day, and there's only particular foods that, uh, that, that I will eat for 21 days. It's going to be awful. But, uh, but get, you could get through the first few days, and then you just start to feel that spiritual awareness waking up as your physical body is almost struggling. You put that, you're just relying on the Lord. Now, some people can't fast food items because of health reasons, and that doesn't make what you do less than what someone else would do. That's why there's, there's many other things you can do. Uh, what, what, uh, again, by just figuring out what is my distraction. Maybe I just, for 21 days, I'm not going to turn on the TV for 21 days. And when you do that, you're going to realize, man, I have all this time. I might as well spend it with the Lord. And that's always a good idea, actually. That's always a good idea to spend time with the Lord. Uh, so whatever it is, I'm going to fast from, you know, you name it. Um, but that's, I want you to pray about that. But fasting is always connected to Repentance. And in doing so, when you take purposeful time to seek the Lord, accompanied with fasting and generosity, in that time, in your prayer time, 
and maybe even this Wednesday night when you come to our focus time of prayer, you're going to begin to take a personal inventory of your life. Because as you have stepped away to disconnect from the world, so again, like for me, yeah, I'm completely off social media, all that, all that stuff for 21 days. When you really disconnect and you begin to take a personal inventory, you begin to realize, man, there are things I don't need in my life. They're a distraction. And in other words, you will begin to go through this personal inventory that leads to repentance. Fasting is always connected to repentance. Repentance is simply that we're going to turn away from that. I don't need that anymore. I'm going to turn away from it. So our 21 days of prayer objective. There's a few objectives here that I have during our 21-day prayer objective. One is to put our dependence on God. And any time of focused prayer and fasting always should lead us to a heightened dependence upon the Lord. And two, this is, the, this is its connection to repentance, that just asking for forgiveness. I guarantee you there are things, as you make a personal inventory, that you need, to, you need forgiveness for, you need to repent from, and refocus on the eternal. We get so consumed with the here and now, we get consumed with, with the, with the self-consciousness but prayer should lead to a self-surrender of refocusing on eternal things. In other words, instead of asking, we're going to be aligning to the heart of God, and now we're going to have a, re- a new focus that we're going to see the importance of the gospel. We're going to see the importance of reaching the lost. We're going to see the importance of spiritual application in our life because we're going to have a, 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 a new awareness for the eternal things in this life, and uh, also to invite the presence of God into our lives. And so what I would encourage you is, is maybe, maybe you already listen to worship music in your life. I primarily listen to worship music. I'm talking like 99% of what I listen to, whether it be in the car or in my office or when I'm doing chores, 99% of the time I'm listening to worship music. And, so, and, and maybe you do too, uh, but for me during 21 days, I'm going to listen to more. In other words, I'm just going to have it on more frequently. Like last night, I was doing the dishes. I put my headphones in, worship music. And, and I promise you, if you increase the amount of worship in your life, you just feel different, man. Like you're, If all of us make a commitment that this week we're going to listen to more worship music, it doesn't even have to be the stuff we do here on Sunday. It could be whatever you love. But you'll walk in here next Sunday that first song starts, this place will be lit. This place will be on fire because our hearts have been prepped in the presence of God. We have invited the presence of God into our lives. So I encourage you, throughout your day, include more worship in your life. Even if it's in the background, get some headphones. When you drive the car to the store, when you're going to work, maybe you have a job where you listen to music, turn off the podcast, turn off the sports, Turn off, uh, you know, any kind of other music, and I encourage you for 21 days, go all in for worship, and you will invite the presence of God into your life in a deeper way. And then also believe for answers for specific needs. Maybe you do have a specific need in your life that you're believing God for. Really, really believe that. I have specific needs in my life. I have specific needs I'm praying for for our church. Uh, And also, again, 
through, through centuries of time and in the teachings of our Lord, our Lord Jesus, these things happen through generosity, prayer, and fasting. So what you need to decide then is, one, what will I fast? And I want you to take the day today to really consider what you are going to fast. Maybe there are activities you're going for 21 days. I'm going to put that activity aside. I'm going to put that hobby aside. 21 days, we're going to turn off the TV. For 21 days, I'm going to be off social media. For 21 days, whatever it be, I'm going to fast. I'm going to do what we call the Daniel fast, which is a no meat fast. It's fruits, vegetables, and some grains. Whatever it is, what are you going to fast? What food, activity, desire are you going to fast? And two, when am I going to pray? Is there a time and a place that you can set up that every day at this time or every day in this place, I'm going to take time to pray? Every Wednesday night at 6.30, we're going to have a time of prayer right here at New Life. And, uh, and also just including in that, that uh, this is in your time of prayer, include scripture. There are 21-day reading plans that you can find that you can do devotions for 21 and say, for 21 days, I'm not going to miss a day. Not, I'm not going to miss a day. I'm going to get my Bible app rolling. I'm going to have my Bible with me on my break at work or my lunch break. I'm going to, I'm going to do my devotions 21 days. I'm going to be devoted to prayer and the scripture. But also, then, the trifecta is what can I give? And I'm not asking because we need it. I'm just saying that when I read scripture, I realize I need it, that, that you need it, that something transformational happens in us when we are generous. The scripture says that, that God will never, will, will, will never uh, forsake the righteous, the generous. So the first question I just ask is, if you are not a regular tither, in other words, if you don't uh, give 10% of your income to the Lord through your tithe to your local church, I would say that's an incredible place to start. I've been a tither since I was 18 years old when I really got my first real job, you know what I'm saying? And I just decided I'm going to, I'm going to tithe and be faithful with the $5.25 an hour check that I'm getting. And he was faithful with the little. I just happened to believe that, that God will give me more. He'll take care of me. And I probably will never know all the ways God has blessed my life because I've been a tither. I, I may never know the, even the immaterial things that God has blessed me with. And I, I may never know. It's not always that we don't always give to get, but I do give it out of obedience. And I do give, not necessarily because God needs my money, but God needs me to be a giver. Because something, any selfish, every, every self-conscious thing can be broken when we give. And so, uh, so I just ask, if, if you're not a regular tither, for 21 days, the next three weeks, for this month, just say, Lord, I'm going to do the trifecta. I'm going to be generous. I'm going to pray. I'm going to fast. This is not new. I'm not making this up. This is, this is thousands of years old. It's been practiced by followers of God for a long, long time. And so maybe you just need to make a plan, have a goal, and say, you know what? I don't tithe. I'm strapped right now, but I'm going to be generous in some way. I'm going to, I'm going to give. I'm going to give $100 in the next 21 days. I'm going to give it. Or maybe the Lord will even lead you spontaneously. Maybe you're going to be out to lunch, and you're going to pay for your worker. Hey, I got your lunch today. I just want to be generous. Whatever it may be. Maybe, you're going to, maybe you know somebody in need, and 
The Lord will put you, as you pray, the Lord may lay it on your heart. Give, give that. I'll give that. There have been people that, that, that they have spent time in, in prayer and fasting, and they say, I felt like God told me to sell my car and give the money to missions. I'm like, what do you think? I'm like, I don't know, man. That's between you and God. I don't know. Giving, when you give, Jesus said. Not if, he said when. When you pray, it's like we're expected to. And when you fast, the spiritual transformation trio. So let's all stand together. We're going to just end with one last song like we do. And as we end with one last song, I just encourage you to just begin to ask those questions. And I pray the Lord would lead you. What will I fast? Again, maybe for health reasons you can't fast food, but we can give something up for 21 days and put our focus on God. When and how, what time, what time, place will I pray? And what can I do to continue living a generous life as a giver? Jesus said, when you give, when you pray, when you fast. Second Chronicles, it comes with a promise. It says, then I will forgive their sin and heal their land. In other words, when we humble ourselves, and Jesus spoke a lot to the spirit of humility in all three of these things, he will respond. Yes, Lord, that's our prayer, Lord. Show us your glory. Would you be revealed to us in greater ways these next three weeks? 21 days, Lord. 21 days, we're gonna pursue you with greater intensity. Lord, I pray for someone that maybe has never participated in 21 days, that you would inspire them in some way to take a step to participate in some way. And I know that we will be made different. So Lord, will you change us, mold us, make us new. Can't wait to see everything that you have in store for us in 2023. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope to see you Wednesday night, 6.30, worship and prayer. God bless, have a great week.